If you're looking for a podcast to give you last-minute recommendations on cheap Christmas decorations. Oh, that's act that would be a podcast I would listen to. However, this is not it. It's not, no. This is, however, comedy. Tragedy. Marriage. Welcome to Comedy Tragedy Marriage, a podcast where a longtime married couple takes turns each episode selecting a movie, TV show, or documentary to watch. We watch it together. And then we sit down to discuss why we liked it, loved it, or loathed it, and share that discussion with you. I'm Stan the Movie Man. I review films at StanTheMovieMan.com, although it has been a while. It's been a minute. You can follow me on X at Movie Man Stan. You can follow the podcast at CT Marriage. You, I am also uh, followable on Spoutable, uh, Blue Sky, and Threads, all at Stan the Movie Man. And if you have a question that you would like to ask us that is longer than the 240 or 300 or however many characters you get on all, all those various platforms, or if you have a movie you'd like to suggest for us to watch and talk about, then please feel free to send that to comedytragedymarriage at gmail.com. You can also leave us a voice message by clicking the link in the description of this episode. Joining me as always is my holiday better half. <laughs> Maud the sweet, sweet ho 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 broad. Oh. Well, ho, 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 by the way. It's December. Yes. Um, also, little sidebar, it just, we're recording this on Stan's birthday. Just, you know, send Stan some love. It's his birthday. Yes. Well, give him give him some praise and some props. That's all right. After this many birthdays, it's just another day. It's a big deal. Send Stan your love mail. Well, whatever. Uh, it is the first comedy tragedy marriage of december which means it's time for us to kick off our holiday season film festival and it was your choice my choice this week now i got to thinking after listening to an episode of how did this get made where <laughs> they a good podcast they, <laughs> yeah an actually Sorry. entertaining podcast where uh they were talking about a legitimately awful uh, holiday movie called The Dog That Saved Christmas. Yes. I don't, I don't know. Anyway, uh, but, uh, and, and they couldn't make heads nor tails of why the events in the film were happening. And I decided, well, and I discussed this with Maude, and it wasn't just unilateral, that uh, maybe we should watch bad Holiday, holiday movies, bad Christmas movies. Understanding, of course, that one person's bad is another person's fabtacular, yes. and the whole judgment thing is very subjective, exactly. particularly this time of year. So right. um, that disclaimer just needs to be out there. Now, in some cases, there there will be movies we neither of us have seen. True. Probably in most cases, there'll be movies neither of us have seen. It is possible. So, uh, this will be based on the judgments of others as far as what is a bad holiday movie. Now, I had read some of the reviews for the particular film we are watching this week. 
and it is uh, not getting a huge amount of critical love. <laughs> it has a 42 on Rotten Tomatoes. Ouch. And it has a 47 uh, on Metacritic. Wow, that's reversed. Usually Metacritic is lower than uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Yes, um, but we'll be the judge of whether or not we enjoyed it. Yes, and enjoyment is also a subjective term, yes. Yes. semantically, entomologically speaking. And the film we watched. Or etymologically speaking. That has to do with words, not yes. bugs. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, although some may say this film is, you know, like eat up with termites, but... Ooh. Uh, the film that we watched for our first holiday season film is this year's <laughs> on Amazon Prime, Candy Cane Lane. It stars Eddie Murphy, Tracy Ellis Ross, Jillian Bell, Thaddeus J. Mixon, Ken Marino, uh, David Allen Greer, Nick Offerman, and more. Including... Little cameos by Pentatonix. Yes. Uh, and the film is about a gentleman named Chris Carver who uh, is desperate to provide his family with a happy Christmas. So, uh, but, but things are getting in the way of that. He loves the season. Um, let's backtrack just a little bit. He lives on Candy Cane Lane, right? They live in, apparently... Well, they call it Candy yeah, Cane Lane during, during the, the season. holiday season. Yeah. They live in El Segundo, California, yes. which is, you know, known for drifts of snow this time of year, apparently. Not really. Not really. Um, but there's a Christmas contest or a holiday decorating contest every year, and Chris Carver so wants to win this thing. And there's this really obnoxious neighbor named Bruce. Who's uh, played, played by Mr. Marino. By, yes, Mr. Ken Marino. Ken Marino. Um, and he's um, a pompous jerk. And, um, but he has won the he has won, contest yes, every year. Yes, multiple contests. And it's one of these things where the whole neighborhood like lights up their whole houses. And they have inflatables and... And tons of strings of lights and animatronics and stuff in their yards. And it's just, it looks like um, Las Vegas. Yeah, it looks up like and down Las the Vegas street. threw up on Candy Cane Lane. Uh, but Chris prefers more subtle decorations. A handcrafted Christmas. His exactly. last name is Carver and he actually carves. Yes, he he, he works in wood and he creates these, these um, uh, handmade original pieces that he decorates his yard with but you know Bruce beautiful across, but not flashy bruce across so. the street you know he he puts down his his uh, his decorations uh but uh now to complicate things mm -hmm. in this uh, particular situation chris has just been let go from his job right before christmas right what? before christmas what? uh the uh they were the company he worked for was sold, and the new people came in and cut the sales staff in half. Now, Oof. what he sold, I have no clue. Well, no, wait, what it, the company did, I have no clue. It's not important, right? It isn't. Uh, and uh, his wife, Carol, played by Tracy Ellis Ross, 
uh, works uh, to make sure things run smoothly in a packaging plant. Yeah, she's like some kind of logistical wonderkind or something. And she is trying to get a, a, promotion. a promotion at her job to hopefully, uh, you know, move her up in the ranks and, uh, you know, so that she can help Chris provide for the family, but Chris has been laid off. So it's really important now that she get this promotion so that she can keep the family afloat until Chris finds another job. Exactly. Now, uh, but this this Christmas lights contest, Christmas decorations contest on Candy Cane Lane. Holiday decorations, because there is one house well, decorated yeah. for Hanukkah, Hanukkah, which is gloriously yes. tacky. Yes, uh, the holiday decorations contest sponsored somehow by a local cable channel um yeah like a, a local community access, access, community access yeah. cable channel uh that the winning house will win a hundred thousand dollars so sort of chris is uh you know he's seeing this and he realizes well that would solve a lot of my problems if I could win a hundred thousand dollars, I could for give the my family a great Christmas, fantastic Christmas, It'd be great. and have a little breathing Float us room. Over. Yeah. So, uh, but of course, everybody sees this because apparently everybody watches this local cable access channel, and they all begin to rush around and start to really amp up their Christmas decorations. Now, uh, Chris is out driving with his youngest daughter. Holly. Uh, Holly. And um, supposed to be taking her to school, but he's <laughs> not. Uh, he is apparently, I don't know how he found this Christmas place. Well, Because it's under a, a highway overpass. Yeah, well, they had, he's got to really ramp his decorations up, so he said he needed like a thousand pieces of tinsel or a thousand icicles Icicle or something. Riding, yeah. So... They go to the one big box store, which has the the um, one of the W Mart logos in it as he passes down an aisle. And then they go to a next um, store. Of course, um, the W Mart is sold out of everything that yes. he needs. All Everybody in his neighborhood has, has already, already cleaned been the there. shelves. So the next place they go to is Costco because it's like right there. It says Costco, big as life. And um, they're already cleaned out, too. And then they go to a third place that is not only cleaned out of December holiday stuff, but they've already got Valentine's stuff out. So we, we know who they are. Mm. And so they're driving around, and Holly spots this place and says, Dad, stop. And he's like, what, what? And he stops, and out of nowhere... There's this Christmas decoration store. Yes. And it's, it's like it pops up by magic, and it's 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 very quaint looking, sort of rustic, um, like a a, a German uh, village. Like yeah, like you'd see in a, a traditional holiday village. Yes, and he goes in, and there's all of this stuff. There's there's the the colored balls and the little uh, elf, uh, you know, animatronics, and there's trains. And there's candy everywhere, gingerbread everywhere. Yes, and there's there's also this giant display called Twelve Days of Christmas. Yeah. And boy, he is really uh, attracted to that. Um, 
and that's when Pepper appears. Uh, Pepper, played by Jillian Bell. She is apparently the only person that works in the store. And uh, she, you know, asks him what he wants, and he explains that he's got this contest that he wants to win, and, you know, what's, what can she do, and she you know, loads him up with a bunch of lights and all that stuff. Oh, and she then, hooks him up. And then she he sees the 12 Days of Christmas display and he says, I want that. And uh, he, puts all, he puts it all on a credit card and this very long receipt prints out. And he picks it up and starts looking at it because she wants him to sign it. But she says, oh, you know, there's all that fine print that nobody ever reads. Yeah, just sign it. Just sign it. And so he does, uh, and the things in the in the in the shop, it seems like things are coming to life and and saying, you know, tell warning him not to sign it. Very animated. And, but she makes an ugly face and shh, you know everything, and then he 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 goes ahead and signs it and he takes it all home. Well, <clears throat> what he doesn't know is that Pepper is an elf banished from the North Pole. Like Lucifer cast down from heaven because he sinned. Yes. Well, uh, Pepper's sin is that she thought Santa was getting soft and was putting too many people on the nice list and not enough on the naughty list. Mm -hmm. So it Pepper has made it her goal to punish the naughty. And... She does that by giving them an impossible task. And that, in this case, uh, is the, the, the receipt he signed is actually a contract. Mm -hmm. And if he doesn't fulfill this impossible task by 8 p.m. on Christmas Eve, he will be turned into a little ceramic figurine. And we meet other ceramic figurines living in this Christmas village. Little little ornaments shrunk down from life size to Christmas tree hanging size. Yes, we meet Pip, who is voiced by um, Nick Offerman, and Lamplighter Gary, who is played by Chris Rudd, or Red, rather. Uh, Cordelia is Robin Thede, and there is a choir of uh, minstrels, uh, Christmas, carolers. Christmas carolers, who are voiced by pentatonics. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he begins to realize that this may not be as great a deal as he thought it was, uh, but his display in his yard is amazing. Fabtacular. So what happens when you make a deal with the devil? Yeah. And the, uh, the display actually turns out to come to life in a way and um, is making his and his wife's and his kids' lives very, very difficult. And he must complete this task, otherwise he's going to be turned into this little five or six inch porcelain uh, figurine. Yeah. Bless. So, uh, I had seen that the reviews for this movie were not glowing. <laughs> so I thought, well, maybe this would be a good film to start our bad movies, bad Christmas slash holiday movies. Could be, con uh, it could be 
judged as a bad holiday film. And it is subjectively not a good film. Um, there is so much cheese in this movie. There's a it's, lot of hammy acting. There is, it's it's a veritable holiday tray of hammy acting, um, splinters in the form of toothpicks from the chewed scenery. Yes, uh, especially Jillian Bell. Cheese uh, in the cheese ball. I mean, <laughs> it's like there and there are numerous holiday lessons, holiday morals that we learn throughout the film. Yes, we, th there is a big takeaway from this, yes. and we'll we'll talk about that too. Um, and at times it was cringeworthy watching it. Um, and at the same time, I kind of like the film. Um, it's, hashtag guilty pleasure. Yeah, it's not, it's, uh, I said subjectively earlier, it's objectively not a good movie. Eh, but it's also pleasant enough. Um, we laughed a lot. We, well, some. Um, you know, Jillian Murphy, Jillian, Jillian Bell. Bell, excuse me, is... She's uh, delicious she's, as she a is, bad person. She's a, if she had a mustache, she'd be twirling it. it, it she is a, a terrific villain she, and she's particular. And she's done villain stuff before. Yes, she has. I, I did a Google on her and she's, she's good at being bad. Yes, and, and, and she's, uh, she's just, you know, she is very good uh, playing this this um, evil, not evil to the point of, um, you know, like a Nazi war criminal, she's, but she, she's evil. She's in, a trickster. In a, in a, in a uh, Christmassy kind of way. She's a trickster like Loki was a trickster. Um, you know, like I see Mr. Burns doing yes. his hands from the Simpsons. Excellent. Excellent. Um, she's, she's good at being bad. Um, she's mischievous and impish and, um, obviously plays her role <laughs> with relish, which mm. also goes on the holiday tray. So mm. like you've got your whole... Um, little Your holiday platter. Your board is ready to go. Oh, so much ham and cheese yes. and relish and, and relish. the toothpicks from the chewed scenery. And of course, you know, you've got a couple of crackers in the cast as well. So there's uh, a lot of, uh, there's, there's a lot going against this movie. However, it is pleasant enough. It, Eddie Murphy, you know, is fine. He, okay. Full disclosure, um, and I'm going to take you around the garden path for a second. But okay. when I was I in, think I know where we're. Yeah, of course going. you do. Yes. When I was in college, okay, um, I lived in a suite, which is um, two dorm rooms with an adjoining bathroom in the middle. So it was kind of like having three roommates, but it was like a roommate and two suite mates. You know, just logistically speaking. So my suite mate and I had very studious, diligent, um, good girl roommates. And while my sweet mate and I were not bad people, we did like a little bit of dirty humor. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes while 
our respective roommates were in their rooms um, doing their homework and being good students, um, Dana and I would be like, um, bump this, I've had enough, I can't deal with this day anymore. So we would sit in the bathroom between the two rooms and drink hot tea that we made in the hot pot in the bathroom floor because we're cool like that and eat lemon cooler cookies and listen to an Eddie Murphy comedy tape, cassette tape, because yes. this was the 80s and the 80s were glorious that way. Ask your grandparents mm -hmm. what a cassette is. Ask your grandparents, know. or maybe your parents, depending on how old, how you, old are. you are. Yeah. Anyway, we would do this and Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy's stand-up back in the day was dirty. Mm -hmm and hilarious and completely objectionable now yes. and he would so be canceled but um we well, that's would that's why he does family films now <laughs> well yeah he'd been with disney for a long time and this is a like a, an imagine pictures you know joint it's a disney thing um but we would sit in there and listen to his dirty jokes and eat our cookies and drink our tea and moan and complain about our day and laugh like crazy women until it was time to go to bed. Mm -hmm. So I have a very sentimental place in my heart for Eddie Murphy and his humor. And I will tell you that there are still glimpses of that Eddie that comes through when, you know, the, the, you'll know where the glimpses are when you hear them because it's more what you hear in his voice and inflections mm -hmm. than it is um, anything that he does or any facial expressions or anything. You'll hear it when you get there and you'll know and then you'll thank Maude for letting you know what that was because that was um, moments, flashes of brilliance from back in the day. So, uh, but yeah, Eddie Murphy has moments where he is very funny um tracy ellis ross ross ellis whatever order her names are in um she is delightful in this movie and she's gorgeous um the kids are all cool holly um as the youngest child who is like um chris her dad's partner in crime as they go shopping and they find this little christmas place um she is delightful yes she's she's a lot of fun um so, but a lot of ham and cheese oh, yeah. and toothpicks and relish. It is, it is, it is not a, a really good movie. It's not good. Um, I, I would probably watch it again <laughs> just to, you know, just to be like, man, I missed that last time. That, ooh, that was not good. Yeah, you know? uh, well, to give you an idea, critics such as Richard Roper of the Chicago oh, Sun-Times wow. gave the film a score of two out of four, mm. writing, quote, Candy Cane Lane is stunningly uneven that careens between cornball family drama, slapstick comedy, and special effects-laden gimmickry, unquote. The special effects are cool. Yeah, I, I, I liked the little uh, people. Uh, and pretty much every time there's an animal on screen, it is a CG animal. Yeah, there was no way that cow could do that. Pretty sure not. Uh, also, you know, the geese uh, firing off all eggs. The, yeah, all the birds doing all the bird things, no. Yeah. Uh, Richard Ro Oh, I already said that Richard one. Richard Roper. Uh, um, 
James Dyer for Empire Magazine scored the film three out of five. Okay. Saying it's part It's a Wonderful Life, part Drag Me to Hell. <laughs> this unholy concoction of ideas is unlikely to become a seasonal staple, but sift through the nonsense and there's a surprising amount to enjoy in this bonkers Noel nightmare. I, I think that's fair. It is. It is very disjointed, and and it's it's a bumpy little ride. Um, and he asks, in what other film can you hear the phrase "this chicken is tripping"? <laughs> that is true. And watch a psychotic elf kick Black Santa in the nuts. That is true. Yes. Uh, David Allen Greer is lovely. Yes, he is. He's fun. Um, so you know, and the film has its problems. It is charitably a middling film. It's middling. Um, still, at the same time, I found it reasonably entertaining. It was kind of fun. And it, uh, it uh, you know, it got to the end eventually. Uh, <laughs> it did? It is extremely predictable. Oh, yeah. Uh, and um, the, the problems quote-unquote, in the family, uh, not counting Murphy's being uh, unemployed. About, well, yeah. Um, all of that, you know, is real sitcom-level problems. First world. Yes. Uh, their son is bad at math, but he, he He's wants to... He's a musical to, genius. He wants to do music, uh, and he plays the tuba. Uh, but he's also he also can create music on his computer. And, well, and we saw him playing keyboard, piano, yes. and we see him dancing like a yes. robot, yeah. which was he's, very cool. He's, he's he's very good at that too. Uh, and their daughter, the oldest daughter, the oldest daughter uh, is a uh, runs track and is very very good and is being scouted by various colleges. Uh, her parents want her to go to USC. Fight on. Where they went to college and where they met. But she's being scouted by Notre Dame and she would really prefer to go there because she does not necessarily want to always to only be 20 minutes away from home, which is where she, you know... It, 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 it is. USC would be a neighborhood school practically for her. Yeah. And she wants she, her own life. She, she wants says to it. be able to to get out on her own. Mm -hmm. Now the little one is still young enough to where she likes hanging out with mom and dad. Yeah, especially dad because he takes her on adventures and takes her uh, you know, out of school. Yeah. on those adventures. Uh, so you know, and the supporting cast, especially the ones who are playing the uh, porcelain the figurines. Ornaments. Um, are wasted. They are, because all, we hear their voices and we see their little animated figures yes. doing little animated figure things, but um, we see very little of them for real. But uh, Nick Offerman is doing his best attempt at an English accent. Which is really bad. And it's it comes and goes a bit. It's, it's uh, terrible. Even Chris, when it's there, it's terrible. Chris Red, uh, uh, he's given a lot of unfunny things to say, but he says them kind of funny. So Yeah. Uh, and uh, Robin Thede, 
who I believe is on the Black, uh, the Lady, Black Sketch Lady Sketch Show. show. Yeah. Um, she, yes. She uh, didn't have she, anything to do hardly she, at all. Yeah, she's, you know, there's, she has a couple of funny lines, but it's, it's, you know, all three of them are wasted. And yeah. then pentatonics, all they do is sing. Little, well, and they and don't little, even sing a whole song. It's yeah, just little snippets. Little snippets of stuff. Um, we, at the end, um, they're human. Yes. And we well, give it away. I mean, I, well, no, I'm just saying we see <laughs> them for a second as humans, and we were like, "Wait, what was that pentatonics?" Yeah. And I'm like, "Can you wind it back?" And he, we wound it back. It's like, "Doggone it, that's them." Mm. So yes, they're they're yeah. yeah. But we see them just for a second. The five carolers, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of wasted. Uh, opportunities here <laughs> people talent uh in this film and it it's it's not it's not good. good but as a made for amazon prime holiday movie goes eh, you can do worse yeah so i'm going to give candy cane lane three out of five stars okay how is the scoring working? Is it normal, like the higher the number, the better it is, or the higher the number, the more we love to hate on it? Uh, well, in this instance, I'm just giving you my basic opinion like I would with any other film okay. we watch. Uh, if you want to rate it on, I mean, it's not so bad that it's good. It's just... Very average. It's hence three it's, out of five. It's middling. I. It's it's not it's not so bad that you hate watch it or watch it ironically. It's just kind of there. A lot of cheese. Yeah. Um. I, I am giving it a two and a half reindeer. Yeah. It it's it's not. It's not like having your eyes gouged out with a rusty spoon. No. But it it also isn't, you know, a Miracle on 34th Street or It's a Wonderful Life. Or... Well, and it's not the um, Vincent Price narrated Christmas Carol that is so horrible <laughs> yes, yes, yes. that we love to hate on it. And, and now I have to watch it every year well, because it is so awful. And we'll we'll get back to, to that one as well. Oh, yeah. But... We'll we'll we'll. That's that's an every year for me now. I, yeah, it that, has to happen. That is that is truly, truly. Oh <laughs> Lord, it is horrendous. so awful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the Christmas Carol, not a. Christmas yeah, and Carol. they spell Ebenezer Scrooge, E B E N E E Z E R, and the actor who plays him, I swear to God, has got to be so drunk. <laughs> he is so bad. Well, you know, it was live television at the time. Oh, so. horrible. Horrible. But, yes. So uh, bad it's delicious. It, it's uh, it, it's a... Candy Cane Lane's a very meh movie. So it's, yeah, it's meh. It's, it's not fun to watch because it's so awful. But it's also not awful to watch. Because it's, it's kind moderately of fun. fun. Yeah, I think that's fair. So we can give it a middling... Um, uh, recommendation. Yeah. 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 See uh, for yourself. Yeah. 
what else have you been watching, reading, listening to? Um, well, I think that everything that I have watched, I've probably watched with you the last week. Mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit about our weekend. Mm -hmm. um, we did a whirlwind weekend. Mm -hmm. We went and spent a night in Nashville and um, had a great meal at a chain Italian restaurant. But, oh, my gosh, I had the most flawless plate of food I can remember it, it, recently. For a chain, it was really good. Oh my gosh, really good. So anyway, um, spent the night there in a perfectly nice hotel room that had yeah. a really bad shower yeah. Yeah. and no bathtub. So yeah. that's a kind of a deal breaker that, for me. Yeah. That's, that's a dang. But on Saturday morning, we got up early, checked out and went to Parnassus Books owned by author Ann Patchett. And, you know, because anytime I'm in Nashville, I go there, I, you know, drop a ton of cash on a book haul. And um, actually, the timing was such that, A, they had done a children's story time earlier in the morning. So it was pajama day for the staff. They had all dressed up in pajamas to have story time with the little ones. Mm -hmm. And it was, re they're really cute. Everybody there is very friendly and very helpful. Um, and I happened to have the opportunity to meet Karen Hayes, who was the former co-owner of Parnassus and co-founder of Parnassus. She retired earlier this year. She came in with her six-month-old puppy named Sophie. So I got a little FaceTime with both of them. I got some FaceTime with um, Chloe and Cheryl, a couple of lovely booksellers there, and um, a little bit of FaceTime also with um, cat who I refer to as cookbook cat because on Tuesday when Parnassus does um, their lay down diaries where they talk about new releases for the week cat um, will do segments occasionally talking about various cookbooks she did a cookbook segment today and talked about a lovely Italian cookbook that um, not only has wonderful recipes but you can actually sit down and read it like a novel a lot of cookbooks are like that. They're just so beautifully written and photographed that you can just sit down and read them for pleasure mm -hmm. in addition to using them for cooking. Hmm. So um, that was Saturday. So then we um, got in the car, um, took the truck and took it off to Memphis. And um, what, what took us to Memphis specifically was Leanne Morgan, comedian extraordinaire at the Orpheum Theater in downtown Memphis, Tennessee. Oh my gosh, she was hilarious. Yes, she was. She had Karen Mills opening for her, who also is connected to the University of Tennessee because back in the day she was a basketball player there. At UT Chattanooga. At UT Chattanooga. Um, but... Um, both acts were very, very funny. Mm -hmm. We had great seats. We laughed like donkeys. Um, what were and and it was um, different material from um, the Netflix special that she had that was recorded in Louisville, Kentucky, mm -hmm. which was part of her big panty tour. Mm -hmm. This was the just getting started tour mm -hmm. and um, new material. And she's just, it was just a delight. Yes, it was a lot of fun. The Orpheum is a gorgeous theater. Oh, my the stars, inside. yes. Uh, you took a bunch of pictures of, oh, yeah. of the various 
uh, architecture and fixtures and light lighting and oh, it's, like it's gorgeous now I've, I've got to see a music performance in that venue someday so well, just so you know and i forget when they when it said it was but they they have a a, a touring company of uh the golden girls that drag is all queens. performed by drag queens <clears throat> where they just take an episode they get the script of the episode and these four drag queens perform the episode as the four characters from the Golden Girls. We must see them I, somewhere in a city near you. I think I very much would like to see I that. I think that has to happen too. So, yeah, that was that was a huge amount of fun. And we got to Memphis a little early and we were having a quick bite to eat at a sandwich shop and I said, well, where are we going, where's the hotel, and what's the name of the hotel so I can look it up on maps and see how far away it is, and that's when you hit me with this. Um, yeah, so when we made the decision in August to do the Leanne Morgan show, I decided in my best Mr. Burns excellent um, thought process, I thought, well, this is the weekend before Stan's birthday. Um, we should do something special. So I made us reservations for two nights at the world-famous historic Peabody Hotel in downtown Memphis, Tennessee. Oh, yes. my gosh. It is an impressive structure. Uh, the, the lobby is um, something to behold with a giant fountain, which the figure uh, at the center of the fountain is like, four uh, cherubs and they're holding up a a, a huge a, a flower arrangement yeah. that goes in there. Oh yeah, flower arrangement on top. And it's carved out of one big piece of marble. Mm -hmm. uh, of course that is also the famous fountain where the ducks come to visit every day. Google Peabody Ducks. Yes. Uh, and we saw the March of the Ducks coming in at 10 o'clock in the morning. And 11. We, 11, excuse me, 11 o'clock in the morning. And we witnessed their exit because they make a big deal out of both the uh, ducks coming down from their castle on top of the building. Yeah, they live in a duck palace. See. And uh, the, both them, them going into the fountain and then them coming out of the fountain. And they go into the fountain and they stay there all day occasionally. One will get on the edge of the fountain, but they never go out onto the floor with the people. No, because the duck, there is a duck master. Yes. Um, who is the MC for the whole ceremony. And this guy is phenomenal. He knows how to work a room. And for decades, the duck parade has been a huge draw um, at the Peabody in Memphis. Um, I mean, I was there in 2019, didn't stay at the hotel, but wanted to see the duck parade. So I skidded in at the last minute for the morning march and videotaped like five seconds of the very end of the duck walk. They roll out a literal red carpet for them and there are red carpeted little steps for the ducks to hop up and um, jump into the fountain. Uh, but they are very... Um, I would say rigorously trained because they march in a line from their little duck palace across the rooftop of the hotel out of doors in all that wind and stuff mm -hmm. and um, march to an elevator 
and ride the elevator down and walk down the red carpet up those steps and get into the fountain. And they swim in the fountain from 11 to 5 every day. It's a short work day for the ducks. I'm sure that they get very tired. Um, but there, there's food in the fountain for yeah. them. There's like grain in the fountain mm -hmm. for them to We eat. don't feed them no, and no, we, don't reach, we don't reach in and pet them, as, them. as tempted as Maud was to do that. Um, but it's, it's really, the pageantry is wonderful. And again, the duck master is phenomenal. He knows how to work a crowd mm -hmm. and he has a crowd. Every time I've seen any portion of the duck ceremony, um, the, the lobby bar area is packed. Yes. Now I will say this, if you see the March of the ducks coming down, he does like a 15 or 20 minute presentation with the history of the hotel mm -hmm. and how the duck tradition got started mm -hmm. uh, and, and all of that. And he also, you know, he has four little kids who help him roll the red roll carpet out. Roll the red out. carpet, and yeah. It's, it's always four different children because mm -hmm. a lot of kids get brought to this. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I will say that if you see the presentation, one time you've seen it you've seen it in its entirety mm -hmm. because he does the exact same speech for the 5 p.m when they go back up the elevator mm -hmm. they even played the same recorded announcement that precedes the music and the fanfare is the same the theme yes. is the same yes. because i'm sure that the ducks um, respond well to routine so they're used to hearing that music and they know oh it's time for us to go now i don't know about that but if you've seen it once you've seen it you've seen it unless they get a new duck master i doubt this the spiel ever really changes yeah this guy's great he is very personable and he plays the crowd and he's very good with the kids when he's talking to them. Yeah. So, yeah. So if you ever happen to be in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, at, uh, before 10 AM, because you need to get there early to get a seat for the 11 AM duck parade. And our friend, um, Kay, who is a native Memphian grew up there, um, came to Knoxville to go to college and not too long after college went back to Memphis and has worked there ever since. She said, what you have to do, it is a must thing. You have to sit in the bar area and have a drink, a cocktail. Mm -hmm. She likes a martini, me not so much. So I had a mojito extra, extra heavy on the lime, which is my preference. Um, Stan is not a big drinker, but he ordered a screwdriver. Mm -hmm. And we had both had, you know, food in our stomachs before we went down at a 10. Little. A little. At 10 o'clock, because you have to get there early if you want to get a good seat and actually be able to see well. And we so, sat with some very nice people from Florida. Yes, we did. Um, shout out to Pete and Judy. Safe travels to you. It was a joy to meet you. Um, they had hot chocolate with peppermint schnapps and um, seemed to enjoy it tremendously. Um, my drink was delicious and um, very well blended because when I got up from the table, I felt it. <laughs> well, a lot. I didn't have to get up from the table because I felt it as soon as I finished mine. Stan was spinning. I was, I was dizzy <laughs> and I was thinking to myself, 
don't word vomit. Don't word vomit. <laughs> don't word vomit. Because what little experience I have with alcohol, and I am not a drinker, but neither is Mom. I'm not a big drinker either. What experience I have with alcohol is I tend to get mouthy, even more so than normal. And if you know me, you know that's quite, quite mouthy. So You did good. You were fine. I tried to maintain my composure as best I could <laughs> and not show my rear end, uh, which my dad used to say, but he said it less politely. And um, It's okay to say ass, I think. Uh, well, I mean, yeah. And uh, so, and I was dizzy just sitting there. And then w the duck parade was over, and we were going to go some, where we're going to eat. We were going to brunch we're with Kay. We were going to brunch with Kay. No, we saw the duck parade on Saturday, didn't we? Uh, no, it was Sunday. Oh, okay. Uh, we were going to have lunch with Kay, and it was like, Oh, gosh. I think I'm okay to drive. <laughs> Uh, there was some time between yeah. when we when we did that and and when we left. So by then I wasn't dizzy anymore. Yeah, uh, probably would have passed a breathalyzer. <laughs> uh, but we went and met Kay at this uh, lovely uh, lovely little uh, cafe. Very cute little spot called the Beauty Shop. Called the Beauty in, Shop in uh, Midtown Memphis is where that is. Yes. Um, and it actually apparently used to be a beauty parlor. There are still beauty chop chairs with like the hood hair dryers yes. on them. You you can request seating there if mm -hmm. it's like if you're a party of two, yes. one of you can sit your fanny in the beauty shop chair. Um, lots of glass brick. We were in a corner booth mm -hmm. at a big table mm -hmm. surrounded by um, glass brick on the top of the wall. Um, our server was excellent. My meal was so obscenely delicious. All the food we had yeah. the whole weekend was great. Yeah, so. pretty much. So, uh, yeah, that that and that pretty much occupied the entire weekend. Our weekend was was eating and and seeing a show and bookstores. A books, a couple of bookstores. Yeah. After after our brunch, um, we said goodbye to Kay for half an hour because that's what Southerners do. We say goodbye for half an hour yeah. before we actually finally part ways. Um, and another independent bookstore, which has actually been in operation since 1875, Burke's Bookstore in Memphis, Tennessee, right down the street walking distance from the beauty shop. Um, we went there. It's beautifully decorated um, for the holiday season in the, the big plate plate glass front windows um went in there and spent very little money um on a ridiculously great book haul because burks in addition to new books they also have a large selection of pre-loved old books they have a few collectible items even um i scored a gorgeous hardback um book about golden age Wagnerian soprano opera singer Kirsten Flagstad for a book. Um, it just, just ridiculous how happy that made me. But um, at both Parnassus and Burke's books, I, I took the opportunity to thank these independent booksellers for what they do and for the valuable um, addition they are in building a community where they are, and not all. And of course, uh, Parnassus is dog friendly. 
Yeah. And so is Burke's so book. So is Burke's books. They have a collection of photographs that are the dog of the day. Yeah, they have a pup of the day. I follow both places on Facebook. Burke's does a pup of the day. And um, the, the front, there's a front like pony wall as you go in the door. It's to your right. And it is covered with dogs from like 2018 to partway through 2021. So they, they're behind on their dog pictures, but they post them on their Facebook page every day. Every day there's a pup of the day, so. Well, and there were more a little further down that yeah. I think went into 2022. Yeah. But they said they were behind. But it's, it's a dog-friendly place. Yes. And just, they have a collection of old vintage typewriters that are, mm -hmm. you know, along the aisles, sitting on little chairs. It's just, it's just the coolest place. Now, it is a bit of a hole in the wall. It's a hole, but it's great. Uh, and it looks like it has been there since the 18, what, 50s, you said? 1875. 1875. Uh, it's, an, it's in an old space. It's in an old space, and it is... They don't worry a whole lot about decor on the inside. The books are the decor. The books are the decor and the, the old typewriters and, and all of that. Uh, but if books are your thing, that is certainly um, a place to go for perhaps even, you know, some rare stuff. Dude, it's a bookworm's paradise, now, which segues us to... Yes. Speaking of books... Yes. Uh, I was listening to one of the podcasts I regularly listen to. It's called The Kingcast, and it's about the works and the adaptations of Stephen King. Um, and they had the authors of this book, or two of them anyway, on the show, and they talked about the book that I'm about to talk about. Now, I haven't started reading this yet because it came while we were out of town. And there hasn't been time. And there hasn't been time. But... It is called The Reign of Marvel Studios MCU. And on the back it says, The unauthorized behind-the-scenes story of the stunning rise and suddenly uncertain reign of the most transformative cultural phenomenon of our time, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Heck yeah! Uh, and it is uh, written by Joanna Robinson, Dave Gonzalez, and Gavin Edwards. Um, and they have interviewed... A bunch of people um, and um, the place the the it is you know thoroughly footnoted um, and it is 452 pages of um, MCU goodness of, of well actually oh, okay uh, there, there's there's a lot of stuff um, um, go back to the front. Is it was it released this year? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Oh, it's it's a very new book. Excellent. So um, so it's current. Yeah, as current as it could be, considering the ever changing MCU. Uh, MCU. Um, actually, the copyright is twenty twenty four. Oh, okay. So wow, it is from the future, people. Oh my gosh, um, that's cool. So the TVA. The Time Variance Authority yes. is involved in this. You can take that to the bank. The TVA so, is messing with the MCU. Yes, the uh, Reign of Marvel Studios MCU, and uh, it is brand new, so you're not going to find it on sale anywhere. But uh, I'm looking forward to reading it because they they talk to a lot of people. Uh, 
even back, well, even when Disney said, we don't want to really participate in this. Mm. Uh, but a lot of people still talk to them. Some of them on the record, some of them off. Oh, so, scuttlebutt. Yes. So we will, uh, we will see what's what about um, the creation of the MCU as well as the travails of the MCU, both during their heyday and now. Yeah. Uh, I think, my personal opinion, the MCU has a lack of a cohesive villain. There's there's no focus now. The uh you know, the focus in the early phases was on Thanos mm-hmm. and what he meant. And as people began to learn about Thanos and that he was after the Infinity Stones and could wipe out half the life in the universe with the snap of his fingers if he had all the infinity stones. Um that was a daunting villain mm-hmm. for these heroes to have to deal with. And he was, even if the movie wasn't about him in those early phases, he was always there. He was always either in the post credit scene or um, one of his minions was the reason all the stuff was happening. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, there isn't that now. Kang the Conqueror isn't isn't that well known Kang is who uh, uh, you know is the one he who remains yeah. in Loki um, unfortunately the actor that plays him is has uh, been charged with some domestic assault he's and, got some problems yeah uh, so I mean he could probably be recast because I don't know that many people would notice the difference. Mahershala Ali would be an excellent choice. Except he's Blade. He's already been cast as Blade. Oh, okay. So. Well, then that's a problem. Yeah. So, uh, and if Michael B. Jordan hadn't already been a villain that was dead. Yeah. Um, then, you know, that that would be a good solution. But. They can they can fix it. They just have to find the right combination of a villain that is a big enough threat to the Avengers and to the universe in general, mm-hmm. like Thanos. Now, some would argue that's Galactus, who is uh, a major... He's, he eats worlds. That's how he survives. He yeah. eats entire worlds. Well, that's bad. Yeah. And the Silver Surfer is his uh, his herald who goes out and finds the worlds and then tells Galactus where to go, which would bring the Silver Surfer in, and that also brings the Fantastic Four in. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, it's uh, it's they it's need, a solvable problem. They just got to figure out. They need what's to work what. that out. Yeah. Yes. So anyway, that's my two cents. Uh, my. Um, an informed opinion on the MCU. So, anyway, anything else? Uh, no. Next week it's my choice, yeah. and I've I've got a few little ideas percolating. Okay. So we'll we'll see what happens. All right. Well, thank you for joining us for this edition of Comedy Tragedy Marriage. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get podcasts. If you can do that on Spotify, that helps us out a lot. But wherever you download podcasts. If you will give us a follow, 
a rating and a review that would be great and if you could share us with your friends on social media that would also be helpful as well if you have a suggestion for a movie for us to watch uh, just tell us what the name of it is and why you think we should watch it send it to comedy tragedy marriage at gmail.com and you can leave us a voice message in by clicking the link in the description of this episode i'm stan the movie man that's mod the movie broad Love you. Love you and happy birthday. Thank you, my Ooh. love. And until next time. Later. later.